welcome to another episode of Offsides, everything NHL and NFL. Uh, kicking off our NFL talk here today, before we kind of get into our main two points of the day, uh, some quick news about our Packers here. Uh, making a couple, or made a move uh, in the last day or so, and kind of another scenario to throw at you. Um, Packers signed kicker Dominic Eberle. Uh, he's a backup in uh, Vegas. I think he's also on the Texans. I think since he's been in the league for two or three years, he's been on like four teams now. Um, so the Packers are bringing him in, uh, which kind of ties into the next question of, obviously the Packers are still way over the cap and they still need to sign Devontae, Rogers, some other guys. Two names that jumped out as far as a good amount of cap space that they free up. Randall Cobb, Mason Crosby. Freeing up those two guys would free up $9.1 million in cap. Uh, bringing in this new kicker kind of might be giving Crosby the boot out the door. And then Cobb as well, um, as much as he had some good catches now and then this past season, he had season lows, uh, catches, yards, all that. And then on top of that, getting hurt as well. So do you think getting rid of these two guys could potentially be helpful as it would clear up 20, 30% of that cap that they needed need to sort out? Um, yeah. What, what, what did you say the cap number was? 9.1 million between these two, if they get rid of them, that they'd free up. Okay. Um, well, if your number's correct, otherwise what I'm seeing too, I'm seeing about 15 million between the two. Cobb, 9.5 million and Crosby, 4.7 um, for this coming season. But yeah, I agree. Those are two people that we could get rid of. Um, another person, Preston Smith or Zadarius is... Preston Smith makes 19 million a year, and Zadarius is set to make 28 million this next year. And he was gone and barely, didn't even really play most of the season. Um, we do have Campbell, who stepped up into that role as our defensive leader. So I feel like letting one or both of those guys walk is going to be the move, as well as Kevin King. That saves $3 million. Um, Shannon Sullivan, if we. Depending on what we do with him, that could save another million. Jay Sternberger, he's not on the books anymore. We saved two and a half or a quarter of a million from him. Um, and yeah, we signed that kicker to a league minimum, $705,000 contract. He joins all the practice squad guys um, under that amount. So I think that this could be a kicker for the future, but I like, I could see them going to Crosby and like, Hey, you're going to have to take less money or we're going to move you. Like I could see him doing something like that. I don't think they're, they're just going to cut him, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. A lot of moves. Dean Lowry too. He makes fucking eight, $8.9 million. Like that's a lot of money. And Campbell only made a million dollars last year. Yeah. And he's, uh, I saw one insider from the Packers that they're close to signing him to uh, think through a four year extension. Yeah, I heard I heard for like 80-ish million. Yeah, which I think it's a good move. I mean, they got that was unreal. one of the steals of of the year, honestly, bringing him in uh, for as cheap as they did. And uh, obviously keeping him while he's still in his prime is a, is a really good move. 
And as far as Cobb, I mean, obviously, uh, Amari Rogers is kind of, I think, could step into that role. Otherwise, they re-signed Velda Scantling. Uh, Lazard's a guy you want to keep long-term. Um, St. Brown's got good hands. And then obviously, Devontae Adams. Uh, so Cobb's kind of that, it felt like it was kind of like a one-and-done kind of thing if he probably was one of the top three receivers this year, yards and catches, and didn't get hurt. Maybe they keep him, but just for, again, the lack of the lack of productivity and him getting hurt, uh, I don't know how much it's worth to keep him. Yeah, or they do the same thing like they do with Crosby, tell him, hey, take less money and we'll keep you. Yeah. Which then I guess kind of – Tying into another receiver as far as whether they stay or go, going to my first kind of take for you here. Uh, Cleveland Browns receiver Jarvis Landry voiced his stance on his contract with, with Cleveland, uh, coming to an end here, making him a free agent this offseason here. He said he would not mind staying in Cleveland, but a change of senior, scenery would also be nice, and he'd want to go to a championship-contending team. Do you think it'd be a smart move for the Browns to potentially keep him? Or do you think that they should move him? Depends what they're doing with their quarterback. Um, if they're planning on moving from Baker Mayfield, you need to keep a guy like that. If you're going to stick with Baker Mayfield and continue to give him another chance, I feel like they should move Jarvis. Um, yeah, everybody, him now seeing Odell as best buddy going to the Rams and winning a Super Bowl instantly, I feel like now put some hunger in him to go want to ring even that much more. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty interesting. You know, there's this off season is going to be one of the top free agent off seasons we've had in a long time. Um, but I think he could use a different environment to thrive in. And then last thing real quick on the Packers, um, with that signing of their new guy, we are now forty-two point seven million over the cap. So we okay. got seven seven million worse from last week. Yeah, I know they've been they've signed more guys than they've got rid of, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, and there's not too many players who have guaranteed money for this next year. Yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five, six. Jair's guaranteed 13 million. Rashawn Gary's guaranteed 2.6. Darnell Savage is guaranteed 2.2. Jordan Love is guaranteed 1.8. Eric Stokes is guaranteed 1.2. And Josh Myers is guaranteed almost a million. That's it for guaranteed money. Hmm. But yeah, um, I guess kind of going back to Jarvis here, as far as see him move on. I mean, any team is always – it's always good to have depth at receive, like receiver, cornerback, linebacker are the three positions you always want to have six to eight guys deep that can step up at any moment and be productive in those positions. Um, with that being said, where do you see potentially being the best fit for Landry to go? I could see the Tennessee Titans, Baltimore Ravens, um, Seattle Seahawks, somewhere where he's going to be able to make an impact and not just the standout alone guy. Like, cause you're, you, 
one guy just can't get it done almost anymore. You need at least more than one on this, the way that it's trending now in the league. And fuck Green Bay. Obviously, he's going to want money because he's young. So I don't, I doubt that he'll be able to do that. But later in his career, if he's still ring chasing, he'll go for cheap. Yeah. But he's so young right now, he's going to get himself another good contract. Because mm-hmm. he is, he's healthy too. Like he's one of those guys that does play almost every single game. Mm-hmm. So he is very valuable. Yeah. I guess to that case, then, like as you said, you can't really do it with one, one top receiver anymore. Um, maybe that's more of a reason for Cleveland to keep him because you get rid of him. I think it's like Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, yeah, it I think depends what they do with the running backs because with both of them, like if they're a run first team, so it doesn't make sense for a wide receiver to, to get stuck. They're, they're a place where one wide receiver could actually benefit because how much they do run the ball mm-hmm. where your play action, your deep shots could be actually, and like you said, they got a good, good tight ends, but their quarterback, then <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, either way, he's still young. He's shown he's a one, one or two receiver on when he was in Miami, he was a top guy. And Cleveland, he was really the top guy between him and Odell, but Odell being hurt, he kind of took on that number one role. So, um, yeah, he's definitely set to get paid no matter where he goes. Yeah, agreed. Speaking of getting paid, Antonio Brown, now that the season's kind of ended, news with him's kind of quieted off. Do you see him appearing in the league this season? I could see him not being there week one on a team just because of the baggage baggage that he's building up. And I saw it was a day or two ago, he posted a x-ray or something of his ankle and was throwing punches again at Tom Brady and Bruce Arians in that organization. So he's still seems like he's got shit to figure out that he's still going after them on social media. So, but again, as we saw when he's healthy, when he's got his head on straight, he's still arguably a top 10, top five receiver. If you can, again, keep his head on straight. But I think that, I don't think that he ends up on a team to start a season, but kind of as I was saying before, with wide receivers being one of those positions where you need a lot of depth, there's going to be a team that gets depleted in the wide receiver room. They give him a call. Is your shit straight? Um, are you like, are you good to go? Like, are you physically good to go? Things like that. And I'm sure he'll stay in enough shape to be ready for that call. So I could see middle, middle of the season somewhere he gets picked up by a team, but as it stands right now, he doesn't seem like a, like a, a guy that you want to pick up at the moment and deal with that drama. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think we're going to see a similar situation that we saw with OBJ um, forcing his way out of Cleveland. I feel like Antonio Brown, given his worth and what he can do on the field, 
I feel like he's going to become one of these rentable items during the year that teams pick up to help win a handful of games and get them over the hump. I do see him. He's already made so much money. I see him not coming back and caring about the money. I see him coming back and caring about winning. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised. Like I will see him next year. Who knows if week one, but if we do see him week one, who knows if he just takes a cheap deal and goes to a powerhouse. I'm just like, okay, I'm well, this is my last year. I'm going to keep my shit together. Let's go win a Super Bowl, and I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Yeah. But also, I know that was a part of his issues, too, that he said. But it was funny how you say he wasn't getting the ball. Brady wasn't throwing it, like, targeting him. And his ankles fucked up. I, I saw that in this past season, Antonio Brown got the most targets out of any receiver. He had, like, 31% of the targets. And then Evans was like 25%. Godwin was 17. Gronk was like 19. So he had the most balls thrown to him this season, even though he said he wasn't getting balls thrown to him. So like, I, I, I see, like, I agree with you where you're coming from as far as him going to a powerhouse, if he were to start the season on a cheap deal, but he is not going to go to a team that already has a solid one, two, maybe three guys for a receiver to where he takes on that third, fourth role because he was getting targeted the most in Tampa and he was complaining about not getting balls. If he goes to a Kansas City, uh, Rams, um, Seahawks, one of those kind of teams, that's not going to work out for him because he's not going to get that many targets. Like I said, OBJ just went from being top dog to going to be a third receiver and you win the Super Bowl. So maybe that has changed now yeah. that he's actually seen a guy do it. Because up until then, that that's something that never really happened. You never saw a top wide receiver just say, fuck this, I want out so bad. And it worked out and paid off going to not be the number one guy and taking yeah. less money too. Like, I don't know. I feel like he's a, a smart guy. And yeah, that makes sense that he did get the most balls thrown because – he missed six from like the suspension or whatever. Like he missed a handful of games and the games that he was in there, Brady was chucking him the rock, trying to get him those bonuses. So that does make sense that he was probably the most targeted wide receiver besides Cooper cup, probably in the whole entire league. But, um, or Adams. Yeah. It just goes to show that just getting all those targets, that doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Targets don't mean anything. It's receptions. <laughs> Right, because it's all, it's all uh, at the end of the day, it's all about winning, too. Yeah. And I just feel like the whole situation, like you said, him posting that x-ray picture showing how his ankle is messed up, I feel like he wins the grievance against the Bucks. Like, you can't force a guy to play when he's telling you, dude, my ankle's fucked up. Yeah. And then now you show the proof that it was. It's like, maybe Bruce Arians gets gets in big trouble for this. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been interesting to see kind of the – the haymaker fight back and forth of he should, he said, she said. Um, and I mean, it seems like, yeah, it's definitely been towards Brown's side as far as the text messages that he showed between him and Arians, him and the trainer of I'm not good to go. And then like being forced to go out there and play. And then, and then now Bruce the Arians in the playoffs too, hitting his player mm-hmm. during a live game. Like it's not looking good. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that, that makes you wonder too, as far as his availability, if he's caught up in a legal battle, <laughs> is he going to want to try to play football for team number A while he's in a lawsuit with team number B? <laughs> like, I mean, like the Sean Watson's case, as far as his unavailability, obviously this is a far less severe case, but if you're in a legal battle against the NFL and the team as a whole, I'm sure that that requires a lot of your time and like brain power to focus on that to where it'd be hard to go on the field and give a hundred percent while you're in a multi-million dollar legal battle. Yeah. I wonder if you're even able to play, if you have a lawsuit pending against the league that you're like, if they just put you on the exempt list until your lawsuit's done and over with, because that's a conflict, yeah. of, you know, that'd be a huge conflict of interest. Well, what about Brian Flores then? He's got a lawsuit against the NFL and a handful of teams. That'd be the same case. Yeah. I, the NFL, in his case, the NFL can't blackball him to not get a job. That'd just make his case even more strong. Yeah. So I feel like he has the NFL by the balls. Not not the other way around, which is usually the case. Yeah. 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 I, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and the Steelers too. That's a huge risk in their part taking him on. Well, you I don't know, think they put him on it. You mentioned exemplus. I don't think they do that because he's not in legal trouble. He didn't do anything wrong. I think it'd be more of a personal decision of I'm not going to play while I'm dealing with this. I don't think the NFL would say, Hey, you can't, but I'm just thinking of like a workplace, like a different workplace. If you sue a company that you work for, they're not going to let you work while you're suing them. Like you're going to be suspended with pay. You're going to be put on leave until that whole legal issue is resolved. And I'm thinking it would be the same situation just due to a conflict, conflict of interest. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Cause like, this doesn't happen often. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And there's really two of them. Like I said, that is Sean Watson and now this and Brian Flores. So three of them, really three legal battles going on between. And that's all that we know about. Yeah. I'm sure there's dozens that go on during the year that. It's swept under the rug. Never get heard about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, never fails. We're a couple weeks away from football being done and it's still. Still always drama going on. Yep. So, yeah, then wrapping up the NFL, we'll move over to the ice here. Um, First question for you here, talking about a Wisconsin native, uh, Joe Pavelski for the Dallas Dallas Stars. He's kind of one of the most sought after guys ahead of the trade deadline here, which is uh, roughly a month away now. Uh, Stars GM Jim Neal said that the team hopes to extend Pavelski well before the trade deadline to kind of take him off the table so that other teams aren't even tempting them to, to deal him away. Given the Stars position right now, just three points back in the wild card race, and they still have games to make up. Do you think keeping Pavelski is a crucial move to go on a playoff run? Or do you think trading him could give the team a potential spark for the value that they'd obviously receive in return? Uh, If they get rid of Pavelski, their season's done. 
Um, he's, I believe, second in scoring on their team. So if they if they're gonna get move him, they're they're basically hoping that he goes and wins the Stanley Cup with whoever they trade him to, and they consider themselves not in the race. They have twelve games left before the trade deadline takes place. Most of them are against the Central Division. So this run coming up here, these next 12 days, is going to be a good indication of do they stay in the run or do they go out of it at this point? And if they're out of it, I see them moving Pavelski and defenseman John Klingberg as though those are the two guys, both at the end of their contracts. Um, I know Pavelski loves Texas. He loves the Dallas area and he, fuck it. His mansion that he just built there a couple of years ago is just so filthy. I see him wanting to stay in Dallas. I don't see him getting moved um, unless they absolutely fall apart here. Then I could see him getting moved to a potential cup contender. But realistically, I don't see him getting moved. Yeah. And like I said, especially the GM came out and said that they want to extend him. Um, and as you said, Pavelski seems like he loves the stars. No, nothing bad said about him wanting to leave. So it seems like both sides. No state tax. Get more want money. To, both sides want to make it happen. But um, I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago as far as a couple of moves that they might need to make to get become contenders for a playoff run. Um, I agree with you with as far as getting rid of Pavelski could be dangerous. But at the same time, if you get what you're giving up in return, but what do you think that they could get? They, what do you think that they would get back for a 37 year old guy? Yeah, it's like a couple draft picks, which isn't going to help you. Which isn't going <laughs> to help you help right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's true. It's like his age only. Granted, he's doing great, but his age only hurts the fa- unless you know, fuck. He could be done after this year. Yeah. It's just like, it's such a gamble. Mm-hmm. But if you do ink him and extend him to a couple-year contract, then you at least know, hey, fuck, we're getting the best out of him right now, and let's fucking kick him when he's, you know, sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this is always that point where it seems like there's a handful of guys that overstay their welcome where they just can't get it done anymore and have to retire or get moved down to the AHL and are just like, yeah, fuck this. I'm just going to call it like, hopefully that doesn't happen to him because he's had such a great career, but obviously they must have some inkling feeling that he's going to play a few more. If they're going to try to extend into a long-term deal, like you said. Yeah. And who knows? Like, I don't think it said long-term, but they said they want to obviously keep him. So I wonder if it's, like you said, with his age, if they kind of do a year-by-year kind of thing to, all right, we'll keep you for this amount of money next year. We'll have this conversation again. If you're good to go, we'd love to have you. If not, like, hell of a career kind of thing. So, Because, um, like, their core, like, Jamie Ben, he's 32 years old. Tyler Sagan, he's 30 years old. Like, the majority of their team, Ryan Suter, who they 37, like they're old, like they're not young. Like they're the one team that has the old and the super young, which is such a crazy balance. But I mean, 
it's that's a tough situation that they're in. Yeah, for sure. And then continuing with the uh, trade deadline here, Arizona Coyotes forward Phil Kessel. Um, obviously, Coyotes season's pretty much over at this point. Do you see him getting moved to a team? And also a couple defensemen who are on the market, P.K. Subban from the Devils, John Klingberg, like I mentioned, for the Stars, and Mark Giordano, the captain of your Seattle Kraken. Do you see any one of these defensemen also getting moved to a team, like a cup-contending team? I know just a quick little backstory in case you didn't hear it. Mark Giordano the other day when he was in the grocery store got congratulated on the Calgary Flames' 10th win. And he's just like, I'm on the Kraken now. Like, I'm not on that team anymore. Because he played his whole career on that team. Yeah. And if he was the captain, it's just like, do they make a move and bring him back? So, two of the three guys you mentioned, Subban, Kessel, Giordano. I see two of uh, the three of them moving. Kind of going from the top down here. Phil Kessel, um, as you mentioned, Coyote season is pretty much done try to move a guy so you're not kind of handcuffing him. I can see him kind of going back to where it all started for him, which was Boston. Boston's, again, one of those teams that um, looks like they're just a piece or two away from making a run in the East. Um, still kind of on the cusp of, like, they're a good team, but they, like, one or two pieces away from being a great team. Um, and then Subban, kind of two teams that stick out to me for him. Uh, one being a team that's had a lot of injuries that they dealt with, Vegas. Um, if you're able to go out and get him for cheap, as far as the couple guys that Vegas has on uh, short-term injury, long-term injury, I think they had, I think, four or five defensemen on injury right now. So bringing in him could help with that. And then another one being not really for a, def- a, def- a defenseman for a defenseman kind of thing, but we talked to them about them a, a week or two ago as far as a potential move that could get them out of the playoff curse. Maple Leafs, you, moving Mitch Marner again, who and who's actually been playing well lately. So I don't know how much they want to move him now. Um, but again, that's another team that could use that that little extra piece of maybe that's enough to get them over the hump. And then lastly for Giordano, I think that he stays in Seattle um, just because it makes sense for both sides. Seattle's not even a full season into existing. They're still figuring out who their core guys are they want to keep. And then for Calgary, 10-game win streak, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They don't really – I don't really see any moves that Calgary needs to make right now um, as far as making their team better because they're – flying through everybody right now. So, yeah, that's kind of my two cents on where these guys could go if they get moved. Yeah, um, I'll agree with Boston, but I think it's going to be P.K. Subban going to Boston as they really do need defense. Their forwards right now are unbelievable. They have a top nine, top 12 forwards who actually are so good. Um, their defense is their weak spot this year. I can see them loading up with one of those defensemen, um, maybe even Mark Giordano. Um, and the other teams that would be on the market for the defensemen, 
I can see the Rangers, Flames, Oilers, and St. Louis Blues. All those teams currently are maybe one solid defenseman away from going the distance. Um, Mark Giordano, I do think that the NHL is such a almost a player-friendly league. I do think that Mark Giordano finds his way back in Calgary. Um, I see them reunited with them. Granted, they're going to have to give up probably a couple of young pieces, which also will help out Seattle because Giordano's 38 years old. This is probably his last run as well. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're going to let him go try to, since they're not in it, I, I, they're going to let him go try to w- cup contend and, and win a Stanley Cup here. Um, and then going to Phil Kessel, the first guy, I have an inkling that he's going to be going back to the Pittsburgh Penguins um, where he won two Stanley Cups. He had 33 goals and 27, or he had 33 points in 50 games when he was there the last time that he was loaned to them for their cup runs. I feel like big old Phil, good old Phil, heads right back to Pittsburgh and helps Crosby and the boys try to get her done. Yeah, I mean, these are all definitely high market guys. It's going to be fun to see where they end up. Um, I mean, you look at all these guys, there's really a laundry list of five to 10 teams of this, this team would make sense for him to go to, this team would make sense for him to go to. I mean, when you're talking about, again, Giordano, Castle Subban, some of the top defensemen in the league, um, or at least had been at some point in their careers. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, if it's the right price, anybody will take them kind of thing. But yeah, it's a matter of which one of these teams, again, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh, Boston, uh, Vegas, which again, they just got out of their hole for to bring Eichel back on the ice as far as cap. You bring in Subban, not going to be a heavy hit to the checkbook, but like you're you're still gonna have to make room for him probably. So, but like I said, um, the cap gymnastics of every professional team, it's always fun to see what they do and who's desperate enough to make a move to say, Hey, we're this guy away from winning a cup. So, and yeah, I think it was it March 20th is the trade deadline. 21st. 21st. So yeah, about a month away here. So it's going to be, like I said, interesting to see where these guys end up. If they move, I mean, none of them are even guaranteed to move. Right, because I know we mentioned Claude Giroux a while back, and it's just like he's supposed to hit his 1,000 games in the NHL four days prior to the deadline when they play Nashville. He's been the captain since 2013. (laughs) Like – does he give that all up to try to go chase one? Yeah. That's good. Especially since he has a no move clause. So he's going to have to literally. He's got to give the okay to where he's going to. He's going to have to bend. He's going to have to bend a little bit if he wants to get out of there as well. Yeah. Cause I'm sure well, all the teams that he wants to go to, not all of them are going to be like, yeah, we're just going to take a guy who's been the captain and a fucking huge leader and try to implement him in our team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like he. I feel like he stays. It makes or, sense for him too. If if he were to go somewhere, I'd love to see him go to Toronto. Canadian guy, go join your buddy Wayne Simmons up there and try to go get one. Because he's not. He's not like a physical 
Like he fits that Toronto style. Yeah, yeah, the more skill based, not the yep. heavy hitter defenseman type. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's he's been the face of that team for how many years? To where you'd hope he doesn't give up when he hit. He's about to hit a mile, a, a major milestone. Um, because what is it? Most games played by a def- or what's the record he's going to set? He's eleven. He they'll play eleven games to get to a thousand NHL games played, which is a pinnacle of itself. Which not a lot. Like that's kind of like the hell of a career if you make it a thousand games in the NHL. Like, yeah. Not many people make it that far. And I know on Spin Chicklets they talk about 03 being the greatest draft of all time. There's fifteen guys from that draft who are all still currently playing over a thousand games. Hmm. And it's just that it never happens. Yeah. Like that's why it's so so such a crazy draft. And anybody to get to a thousand is unreal. Gonna get a nice present from the boys. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Um yeah, definitely excited to see what happens with these guys. Yeah, and then one last thing to mention. Um, Nathan McKinnon, I know we mentioned him yesterday. Injured lower body injury um, on that play where he did off the faceoff where he ended up clipping the ref. He missed lat or he's going to be out tonight's game against the Red Wings, and there will be no timetable on return. It says it just says like there's no. It's not like day to day. It's not like it's just he's out. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, there's really no indication of how serious this is. Obviously, Avalanche have a lot of room to cough up if they were to go on a little bit of a slide here, but now's not the time to start sliding. (laughs) No. They got some teams coming for them. Yeah, because even, yeah, even though you you can go on a week or two shit streak and you're still fine, you're still, you don't want to go backwards at this point of the year. You want to be either even keel or trending up to either explode or like, again, just kind of stay even play consistent throughout the playoffs. Um, Yeah. And that playoff race is really heated up over in the West as you now have three teams, all with 59 points in the Pacific and the Canucks and the shark, like the sharks are still in it. Yeah. The Kraken are literally the only team out of it in the Pacific which is insane at this point. This is literally probably the best, most competitive year of hockey I've seen in a long time as far as teams still eligible, kind of like what we had in the NFL season. The most teams still left at this point still fighting for – it seems like it's transferring over to the NHL this season as well, which is awesome that every game is going to mean something in the West at least throughout the end of the year. Yeah, and I mean, out of 30 teams – was it no it's 32 now right 32 yeah yeah with the two expansions um there's really what five six teams that are like okay you're done kind of thing yeah like 100 x's that you can put you could canadians done devils done flyers done sabers done senators done so there's five kraken is six 
Coyotes would be seven, Blackhawks eight. So yeah, twenty-four teams still alive for the playoffs. At this yeah, point. there's what thirty games to go, thirty to thirty-eight. Yeah, the the most games right now are the Blackhawks. They have fifty-two games played. So it's thirty. Oh, fuck. So they'd have thirty. Just kidding. Ducks in the Kraken at fifty-three. So yeah, twenty-nine between twenty-nine and thirty-three games left. Yeah, shit's heating up. But yeah, that concludes um, our NFL and NHL news for today. Please tune back in tomorrow where we got some interesting things to talk about. <laughs>